Well, good morning, Faithbrook Church. It is so good to be with you on this awesome Sunday. Whether you're on site, online, or checking us out on demand, I just want to give you a warm welcome. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Brendan Burnt. I'm the student ministries pastor here at Faithbrook Church. And once again, I just want to say it is so good to see you here in wherever you're checking us out. If you are a first-time guest or this is your first time in a long time, I encourage you, if you're in person, to reach to the seat back in front of you and grab a connection card and fill that out. If you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church guest and you can fill that out and drop it either in an offering box in person or just by clicking the submit button online. And when you do that, Faithbrook Church will make an anonymous $5 donation to feed my starving children on your behalf just for coming and checking us out. Thank you so much for being here this Sunday. Here at Faithbrook Church, our vision is to lead people to new and thriving life in Christ. And in our Next Generation Ministries, that is our vision as well, to lead students to new and thriving life in Christ. One of the ways we get to do this is every summer, our district puts on two amazing camps, Kids Camp for Kids in 1st through 6th grade and Youth Camp for Kids in 7th through 12th grade. And let me just say, we had an awesome time. I had the privilege to go to both of these camps. For Kids Camp, we took 18 students of yours and we got to learn how we can trust God and we can bust our fear. And our students had a great time at Kids Camp just understanding who God is in that way in a deeper and new way. As for youth camp, we also took 18 students, which means 36 of your students went to these camps this summer. At youth camp, we had a great time and we learned how we can become deeper rooted in Christ. And in that, we had one student recommit their lives to Jesus. We had two people get baptized in the following months out of that. And we had one student get a call into vocational ministry. This is awesome. And we are praising God for the awesome work that he is doing in the lives of our students. And none of this would be possible without your generosity. If you would like to partner with us and seeing our vision come to life in the next generation and beyond, all you have to do is go to the Church Center app and you can give a one-time donation or you can give a reoccurring donation that helps us advance the gospel in the next generation and beyond. In just a few minutes, we are going to keep on going in our series, Summer on the Mount, as we hear from our Connections Pastor, Mike Delgallo. Well, just by a show of hands, I'd be really interested just to see how many of us here have ever participated in a trust fall? Has anyone participated in a trust fall? Yeah, raise those hands nice and high. Oh, yeah. Okay, now maybe if you don't know what a trust fall is, uh, a trust fall is an exercise where you stand with your back towards a person or a group of people and you trust that they'll catch you as you fall backwards into them. Well, about 15 years ago, I participated in this exercise, and I was uh, participated both as the falling person and as the catching person. Now, for those of you who have uh, participated in this exercise, uh, you, you know that the experience as both the faller and the catcher are completely different. You see, as the, the catcher, as you're sitting there, you usually locked arms with other people or you're sitting there like this and you're, you're looking up at the person who's about to fall back and you're usually encouraging them. You're usually saying something to them like, hey, you could do this, we got you, don't worry about it. There's a lot of encouragement. And the, the interesting thing is the perspective is, is there, right? Because you can see the person, you can see everyone else there and you know you can catch that person. 
Now, on the flip side, as the person who's doing the falling or the trust, the trusting, you don't see a thing, right? That's the whole point of the trust. You don't see what's going on. All, all you have to go on is, is you're up on the ledge, usually, and all you have is that you can fall backwards, and you're just hoping that these people would catch you. And I think for people who are participating as the, the truster or the, the follower in this point, you, you inevitably come to having a two-word question that comes racing through your mind, and it's this. What if? What if? And usually it's, what if they don't catch me? Right? And usually there could be other, other things in there. And maybe, maybe you're even thinking of, man, what if someone comes rushing into the door with pizza or ice cream, and they all run off to go get this pizza ice cream right as I'm falling back, and I come crashing to the floor? Now, it's not just in trust falls where we ask these questions. There's a lot of different situations in our lives where we ask ourselves this question, what if? And I don't mean in a wonder or a sense of awe, like, oh, I what if, you know, this can hour, I wonder if this, not this, but I'm talking more in the sense of worry. I'm talking more in the sense of you, you ask what if because of worry. And I, and I think a lot of us can agree that at some point in our life, we found ourselves maybe struggling with asking ourselves these what-if questions, these nagging what-if questions where we speculate and they're just ruminating in our minds and we ask, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this were to happen? And we ask this and it's something that just bounces around through our mind. Now, some of us, this is constant. This is something that might, uh, we find ourselves doing all the time. And so we have to wonder, you know, is there, is there a cure for this? Is there a cure for this case of the what-ifs or are we just left to its paralyzing effects? Well, welcome back to our series called Summer on the Mount, where we are going through Jesus' most famous sermon uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And in this, uh, in this sermon, he goes through a lot of different famous passages, including the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Beatitudes, which we did not cover, but that's in there. But a lot of the, the sermon is about how to process and, and go through life and how to uh, live as a follower of Jesus. Now, the, the uh, crux of this whole series is based on what happens at the end of chapter 7. And there, uh, at the end of the sermon, Jesus says this. He says, uh, he says that you must be hearers and doers of what I say. And if you are hearers and doers of what I say, you are like a wise person who builds your house on the rock. And when the storms of life come around, your house is going to stand because you're built on the rock. And he says, on the flip side, if you do not heed what I say, if you're not a hearer and a doer, you're going to be like a foolish person who builds their house on the sand. And when the storms and winds come, your house is going to crumble because you're not built on a solid foundation. And so what we found is that uh, through, the, through this to kick our series off, we, we saw that when we practice what Jesus preaches, we find peace. When we practice what Jesus preaches, we find peace. And so now for the whole rest of the series, we're we going to look at, we have been looking at what it looks like to practice what he preaches and how to have peace and live a life as we follow him. And now today we're going to be addressing specifically uh, what Jesus has to say about worry and addressing those what-if questions or the case of the what-ifs and how we can address them. Well, for a lot of us, I think uh, as we look at this case of the what-ifs, if we have these what-if questions, it's, it's not just a, a every now and then situation. In fact, it can be con consistent. It can be constant. It can be something that we do every day. In fact, as of March of 2021, so just a few months ago, there was a poll that was done, and it said that over 60% of Americans have constant worries. 60% of Americans have constant worries of things that will personally affect them. 
Now, Gallup did a poll, and they, uh, they had the top three things that Americans are concerned about that will specifically affect them. And the top three things are this. 50% of people are concerned with crime or violence affecting them. Uh, 52% are uh, worried about, uh, 50, uh, about affordable health care. And uh, 55%, 55% are worried about homelessness and hunger. And these are just the top things. And I'm sure as you're sitting there, you can think of uh, various other things that uh, you are personally uh, might be concerned with or you are, you are worried with. You know, maybe, maybe you just moved into a new home and now you have a, a new mortgage and you're wondering, you know, what if I lose my job and I can't pay my bills? You know, maybe you, um, you're looking at towards this new school year for some of you students and you're wondering, you know, what, uh, what if? What is, what's the situation going to look like? You know, maybe uh, you're thinking about COVID. You're just thinking, you know, here's this whole year and a half, and what's next? What, what is that? So there's a lot of things that could be ruminating through our minds as we're asking this question of what if. Now, truth be told, living in a constant state of worry is not good for, uh, for us. There is a multitude of studies. You can do uh, your own research. There's a multitude of studies that show that living in a state of constant worry is not only terrible for our physical, mental, and psychological health, but in the end, it actually affects our spiritual health as well. And so the question, you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, is living in a constant state of worry, constantly asking these what-if questions, is that really the best for our well-being? Is there a better way? Does, does God have something better for us? And I think what uh, we're going to look at is what Jesus had to say about about worry and what he does to address this. And I think what's interesting is, as you think about these words being written down over 2,000 years ago, that people in that day had worries and concern, uh, worries of their own, and they had things that they were worried about. And they had the constant threats of the Roman Empire. They had constant threats of, you know, where their taxes go up. They had constant threats of where they're going to be persecuted and killed for what they believed. They had a lot of things that they were worried about. Uh, and that are very applicable not only in that day, but I think we're going to find that it's applicable for us as well. So let's go ahead and in our Bibles, we can turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you have an analog Bible, you can pull that out and you can turn to Matthew. Uh, if you're like myself, I have my Bible on my phone on the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have it, you got to download it right away because it is awesome. It's just so good and you have your Bible literally wherever you go. So make sure you get that. Now as you're going to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be at verse 25. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, just to set up this uh, passage that we're going to look at today. Now, last week, it's a little important that we talk about what last week we talked about because it kind of sets up everything for today. So last week, Pastor Jim talked about uh, and preached on the verses that, um, that were about money. And he says that you're either going to be investing in eternal things or you're going to be inter- uh, investing in temporary things. So is, there, is the things that you're investing in, is it for eternal purposes or is it just for the things of, uh, that are temporary? Is it kingdom or is it selfish? And so as he sets up this backdrop, he then uh, goes from finances then to a little more personal as we enter into verse 25. So let's go ahead and start right there. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, drink, or about what your body, about what you wear. Now notice that first word there, it says, therefore. Now, therefore is there for a reason. You've probably heard that before. And that is talking about what comes before. So in a way, he's, he's saying this. He says, therefore, if you are investing in eternal things, if you're investing in big kingdom things, he says, there is no need to worry. You don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. 
And what we find right away what Jesus is doing is he's, he's, not just ch- he's challenging people on their faith. He, he's saying that, you know, are you, are you in the big picture, are you trusting in your wealth or are you going to trust in, in myself? Uh, he said, are you going to trust in what are those? What are those you're going to trust in? And Jesus or your wealth. And so he says, in the grand scheme of things, you don't need to worry. There's no need to worry. And he's really getting specific about even the essentials of life, eating, drinking, and clothing. You see, he's, what Jesus is doing is he's addressing the worries. He's addressing these what-if questions in our life. Will Jesus come through? And he's saying that if you are a follower of Jesus, there is no need to live in a constant state of worry. There's no need to have those nagging what-if questions ruminate in your, in your head. Now, I want to make sure to address uh, two different things. There's, there's worries, and then there's concerns. Now, sometimes those words get interchanged, and I want to make sure that we uh, differentiate so as we go through, we know what Jesus is talking about. So um, a worry, a worry is uh, the insistent, ruminative speculation of what might go wrong. It's almost an anticipation of chaos. And concern, concern is a calculated consideration and assessment of actual danger. You see, where worry is, uh, is anticipates problems and things going wrong. It's really this idea of loss of control, whereas concern is more fact-based, and, it, and it's more geared towards problem-solving. Now, just to make sure that uh, we can uh, make sure the difference of worry and concern, let me lay out just a couple uh, situations here. One, one thing that worry would say would be something like this. Well, what if, what if I won't fit in my clothes? Whereas concern will say, well, maybe I should uh, watch what I eat and uh, diet and exercise so that I can fit in my clothes. You notice the difference there? Two different things. Second thing, maybe uh, as we're going to work, we're going to school, we go, man, what if I'm late? Maybe that's one that we ask. What if I'm late? Whereas concern will say, I better leave 15 minutes early to avoid the construction delays happening on 494 and 694. Amen. (laughs) Worry for you guys out there. What if she says no? What if she says no? That's That's a question we might have. And concern would say, well, whether she says yes or no, either way, I'm going to survive in the end. And maybe some of us are asking this question. Wow, there's a strange pain. What if it's serious? Or what if it's deadly? And, we're, and concerned would say, well, I'm a little uncomfortable right now, but maybe tomorrow I'll call the doctor if it persists. There's no sense in assuming the worst. So we can see that there's a huge difference between concern and worry. And what Jesus is, is, uh, is really talking and speaking out against is worry. I love what Harold Stevens says, this quote. He says, there's a great difference between worry and concern. A worried person sees a problem and and a concerned person solves a problem. So notice the difference. Notice the difference there. And I think something with concern is it it is good, right? Concern concern is good because you can be concerned and you you can see a problem and you can figure out how you're going to solve it. There's almost a sense of wisdom towards it, right? Whereas worry, the the, the issue with worry is it's based on speculation, it's not really grounded in reality all the time. And sometimes we can get caught up in what could be as opposed to what actually is. And I think with this, with Jesus coming out about this, he, what he's really speaking into is that he, he, he knows. He knows. He knows us. And he knows that we, our brains can go there. He knows that we can lean into worry. And he's giving, this, uh, he's giving these words to say, that, you know, you don't have to. 
You don't have to because I'm here. I'm here with you, and I want to speak into this because he does want a relationship with us, and he does want us to ultimately trust him. So with that, this is where he's laying out. He gives us four things that we're going to see in the next coming verses, four things, four reasons why we shouldn't worry, why there's no need to worry. And the first comes up uh, as we continue in verse 25. This is what he says. He says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Is he saying, isn't, isn't our, in the grand picture of things, and if we look in the eternal perspective, is not our lives, is not our bodies more than just the food and the clothes we put on it? You see, I think another way to think about this is, you know, if you imagine your house is on fire, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to collect all the food and burn up, or are you going to run out and save your life? I think we're going to do the latter. We're going to run out and save our lives and those in the house with us because we value our lives more than the food. And I think sometimes we get confused and we mix up. See, we see things such as food and we see things such as clothing. Those, we mix those up for what is actually more important. You see, food and clothing are necessary, right? They help sustain life, but they are not life. They are not the things that are actually what's in important. And I think also what happens with this is we see that worry is a, is a distraction, Worry is distraction, and what we find is that worry focuses on the temporary. Worry focuses on the temporary. You know, sometimes we're, we're so focused on short-sighted things that we, that we do lose the big, big picture. You know, sometimes we're, we, uh, we have different relationships, and we, you know, maybe for those of us at school, maybe those of us at, at work, or maybe other, um, other public areas, and we, we ask, you know, what if the, those people are gossiping about me? What if, what if there are haters? You know, what if the, the work that I'm doing is not perfect? Or what if something just goes wrong? And so what Jesus is, is really saying is that, that a lot of times that the worry is so focused on the temporary, it doesn't have the big picture and big scope of these, of these things. And so Jesus then uh, continues, and he uh, continues with the second point in verse 26. He says, he goes, even look at the birds of the air. They do not uh, sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is saying, like, look at, look at the birds. They, they have to fly around. They have to find their food. They have to build their nests. Uh, they, they have no capacity to, to sow fields, to take the seed that they find, to actually grow it. They have no capacity to harvest it, and they don't have the capacity to store all that food they would have in the first place. So even as they are going around seeking for the food, he's saying God provides for them. And he's saying that if he's, if he's even providing for the birds, won't he provide for you as well? And so what we find what Jesus is saying is that he's saying that worrying questions my worth. Worrying questions my worth. You see, I think sometimes we get stuck in these what-if questions. We get stuck in, in asking, you know, what if this, what if that, that we, what we're actually doing is we're questioning is God actually mindful of us? Does he actually love us? Is he actually going to provide for us? Does he care about me? And that's the kind of question that's actually coming up. Now, not only in that bigger picture of uh, worrying, uh, addressing that, but also we can worry about our own worth too, is, right? We can, we can be worrying about, you know, wh uh, what does our self-image look like? We could be worrying about, you know, you know how, how smart am I going to be? You know, how, how do I compare against my coworkers? How do I compare against my fellow students? What, what's that looking like? You know, how, how good-looking am I? Am I as good-looking as that other person? Am I going to be popular? 
And I think other questions that come up is, you know, we find ourselves just in this uh, comparison. And maybe some of us, some of us are uh, asking the question, you know, what if, what if I don't ha- leave a good legacy behind? And, you know, so we're, we're wondering about this whole thing of self-worth. And Jesus is saying, you know, worry is destroying that. Worry is destroying you. Where I say you are valuable. I say that you are more valuable than the birds. Therefore, I am going to take care of you. Do not trust that. And Jesus continues. That wasn't enough. He comes in with a third point. He says in verse 27, Can any, of you, uh, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life or a single cubit to your height? Now, it's kind of funny if you think about this. You can just think of just for a moment of someone just sitting in a chair, you know, wondering, and wondering, hmm, I wonder, uh, what if I could add a single hour to my life? What if I could uh, grow taller? I'm not a tall guy myself. I'm only about 5'7". So if you want a couple inches, would would have been great for basketball. You know, if I could hit that six-foot stature, that would have been great. But it wasn't in the cards, right? So the question Jesus is saying is, will the worrying that you're doing, will that really amount to anything? What, what value does that actually bring? And so what he's saying is that worrying wastes time. He says worrying wastes time. You know, in fact, not only is worrying uh, just useless, it, it uh, leads to all sorts of other uh, problems in our life. You know, maybe, maybe you can identify with some of these. Uh, sometimes it can lead to depression. Sometimes it can lead to ulcers. You know, a high blood pressure. Uh, sleeplessness. Many sleepless nights. Maybe overeating. And for some, even alcohol and drug abuse. You know, have you ever just sat around worrying about a situation so much that you ended up not doing anything at all? You know, maybe, maybe students, you're sitting there and you're, you have this big test coming up and you're just, you're so worried about, man, I got to pass this, I got to pass this, I pass this. And you're so consumed with wanting to pass this test that you actually don't study for the test. Or maybe, maybe some, uh, some of us have this relational conflict. We sit around and we go, man, what if this person doesn't like me? What if the, you know, what if this relation doesn't get mended? What, what if? That we actually, we sit around ruminating on this so much that we actually don't take steps to resolve the conflict. Now, this doesn't apply to me, but maybe some of us sit around wondering uh, what's going to happen when the in-laws come to visit. You know, what if? What, what's that situation going to be? Uh, I don't have to deal with that. Maybe you do, so uh, I am blessed for that. But here's the thing. When, when, we, when we worry, what ends up happening is we're, we give it too much real estate. And, the pro- and one of the problems with worry is worry lives up in our head. Worry lives in our mind, and it lives in there. And when we're worrying about things constantly, it takes up real estate, and it consumes everything that we're going on. And Jesus is saying, no, you, you, don't, you don't need to. There's no need to because it wastes time. Now, his fourth and uh, final point on this, he continues uh, in the following verses. He says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? You see, he's even doubling down on the point of saying, if you're not going to have to worry about food, why would you worry about clothing? Why would you worry about that? He says, uh, he says uh, take a look at it. this idea of look at flowers and consider them. Take a, uh, take a moment to think about flowers. So let's take a moment. Let's think about flowers. And they just sit there. 
right? They need, they need sunlight, they need uh, nutrients, and they need shade, they need protection. And unlike birds, they can't go out and necessarily seek those things. They are completely dependent upon what nature brings. And what God is saying, if, if that's true, if even the flowers, and he's going he's gonna to make sure that they have what they need, how much more for us? And he even brings up King Solomon. So if you don't know who King Solomon is, King Solomon was uh, a king of Israel. We can uh, read about him in the Old Testament. And he was one of the wisest. He was one of the most prosperous. And he was one of the wealthiest kings ever to live, ever to reign. And he would clothe himself in the finest clothes ever. And even Jesus says that even that, even the finest clothes, doesn't even compare to the beauty of the flowers in the field. And so if God's going to take so much care to make sure that the flowers are taken care of, won't he not care about us? And then, and then he ends with, you of little faith. Now notice he says, he doesn't say you of no faith, he says you of little faith. And this is the reason is because we, we find that worrying actually hinders our faith. Worrying hinders our faith. Now, it's not that uh, they had no faith at all, because obviously they, they trusted in God, but he's saying that they didn't have enough faith to actually live out what they believe. And in fact, in hindering their, their faith, what happens is when we worry, we're actually removing God from the equation altogether. Right? If, we, if they, had, uh, they had some faith, it was weak, but here's the problem is, is when we worry, we're, we're saying that, God, we don't really believe you can do what you say you can do. We're, we, we believe you exist, but you really have no impact in our life. And so what Jesus is really coming to, the, uh, coming to right here, he's saying, do you, do you actually believe that God is going to come through? Do you actually believe and do you actually live in such a way that says, yes, God, I trust that you're going to come through? That even when situations in our life come, and situations go, do we trust that God is going to, going to come through in those situations? Maybe not the way we, we hope or that we plan, but do we trust that God's going to see it through with us? And Jesus is, is rhetorically encouraging them to strengthen, to increase their faith. And so he, he starts to wrap up, and he says in verse 31, he says, So, do not worry. What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? So he's saying, so... In, in, light of, in light of these things, because worrying is, is temporary, because it questions our worth, because it wastes time, and because it really hinders your faith, he's like, what, he, what a better translation would say, so don't even begin to worry. He's saying, do not, he's not saying do not worry, he's saying don't even begin. If, if these are the facts about worrying, if that, that's what they do, don't even begin to worry. There's no need to worry at all especially about the, the small significant things of our life, the necessary things, even a food, drink, or clothing. You don't have to worry about those, so why would you worry about other things as well? And he continues with his point in verse 32. He says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Now, a pagan, a pagan is a, a godless person, or it could have been in that time someone who worships someone other than the uh, Israelite god. But this pagan, they, they don't, revere, don't revere God. You see, they don't trust him for anything. And notice the word run after. It's almost this, uh, it's almost this idea of that they're seeking after, they're pursuing after. They're on this mission to hunt down the simple things of life, such as food and drink and clothing. Why? It's because they don't trust that anything is going to be provided for them. They, they have no faith that anyone's going to provide them. So they spend all their time worrying, asking these what-if questions, and their whole life is geared towards providing these simple things. And God is saying, you don't have to. He goes, he goes they're running after these things. 
You see, the pagans are, they are constantly plagued with the what-ifs. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, if you're worrying, worrying every day is almost like living like a pagan. He's saying that, that you, you believe, and you may confess with your mouth that you believe in God, but the way you're living is not acting in that way. You're living like a person who doesn't even believe in God. And so this is all coming back to this whole big picture of being a hearer and doer of God's, of God's words. And so if we are going to be a follower of Christ, are we living in the way that he, he calls us to? And are we living in the way that resembles what we actually believe? And I think our, our response, our response to worry should be so radically different than the culture around us. So if this is truly the case, if this is the case that we are to be hearers and doers of God's uh, word and, uh, and not living in this constant state of worry, not living in the state of what ifs, you know, where do we begin? What, what does that even look like? I think Jesus gives us a little insight and we can see this in verse 33. And I love this. And this might be, uh, for some of you, a key passage for some of you, but this is what Jesus says. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, the seek, it's, it's, not, it's not this idea of you have to find it, like it's hidden. No, it's out there. It's almost like a quest. It's a thing you're pursuing after. He's saying, make your life mission, your life quest to pursue these things, pursue the things of God and his righteousness. And he says, these things will be added to you. You see, the godless seek after food and drink and clothes because they're asking these what-if questions. But he's saying, for if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be seeking after uh, his kingdom and his righteousness. So if we don't want to live in a constant state of worry, if we don't want to live that way and be plagued with the what-ifs, what we find is that the only way to peace of mind is by focusing on the divine. The only way to peace of mind starts by focusing on the divine. You see, the secret of worrying less is really to take our mind off of the what-ifs and really to put them onto Christ. And when we learn to seek first, notice what comes. He says, if you seek first, notice what comes. He says, all these things will be added to you. All these things. You'll be taken care of. Because when our, as uh, Pastor Jim said last week, when we're focused on the things of eternity, the things uh, that are temporary will be taken care of. They're secondary. Because the only way to a peace of mind starts by focusing on the divine. So a great challenge to help us in that. So what's it? So we're going to seek God. Great, Pastor Mike. That's that's awesome. Seek God to seek His kingdom of righteousness. What's that actually look like? How can we do this? What's it actually look like to seek God? And when the case of the what ifs pop up, how do we actually do that? What does this look like? And I think uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes the letter to uh, the church in Philippi in Philippians, and he has some good uh, encouraging words for us. And he uh, writes this in chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, this is a great response plan. When we are in a situation and we feel that the case of the what-ifs are coming up and we start finding ourselves starting to worry, this is a great response plan to, to actually tackle the what-ifs in our life and how to seek God. And so we see three things from here that are, I think, are really beneficial. Three steps to take to, uh, to enact this response plan. The first one is this. Start with prayer. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition. He says, start with prayer. So what's this mean? It means to actually stop and pause 
and take a moment to actually go to God. Stop and pause and go to God and actually approach him. So I think a lot of times we think God might be too busy. Sometimes we might think that God really doesn't want to hear it. But the truth is he does. He knows what's on our hearts. He knows what's on our minds. He's just waiting for us to come to him. The second thing we see is to give thanks. Now notice that uh, he says as you're going to prayer, he doesn't say start with the issue at hand first. Notice that he says first give thanks. And in this giving thanks, there's a lot of different things you can get be, uh, thankful for. What's, what is something that you are thankful for? Start by that. Maybe, maybe you're thankful for the job you have. Maybe you're thankful for the family you have. You know, maybe you're thankful that you have food on uh, the table every day. Maybe just something, something simple, but what is something, thank, uh, something you are thankful for? And here's the power, and here's the, the interesting thing with gratitude. Is when we, when we start with gratitude, our perspective changes. All right, when we have this heart of thankfulness, we notice that, that our perspective towards situations begin to change. And here's the wisdom in starting with giving thanks. And the third thing he says to do is to then present your request. So stop, take a uh, pause, go actually go to prayer, take time to pray in that moment, uh, give, uh, uh, give thanks. And then he says then to present your request, to actually get it out there, pray it to God. What's, that, what's those what-if questions that are coming up? Actually pray those out. Pray them to God. Because again, God does care. He does care so much about us. He cares so much about us. He, he wants to hear from us. And I think sometimes, sometimes when we get the prayer out, it helps us hear what's going on in our head. Because remember, the what-ifs live up here. But when we, when we pray, it gets them out. And sometimes when we hear our own what-ifs, and sometimes we, when we hear the, our own troubles happening, sometimes we can get a better understanding that sometimes they're not so grounded in reality. And so when we have a proper response plan, and we actually enact in a proper response plan uh, to worry, we're able to address those four issues that, uh, that Jesus talked about. You know, we're no longer, uh, you're not so focused on the, the temporary. You know, you're not focused on the gossip, the haters, being a perfectionist, uh, you know, what could possibly go wrong in your life, which could be a million different things. But now you're focused again on, on eternal. You're focused on eternity. You're going to God, a God who is eternal. Second, we're no longer uh, questioning our, our worth. Why is because we're reminded of our true value. God, God wants us to enter to him in prayer. And the very fact that we can go to him in prayer, that just shows that he, he wants to be in relationship with us. It just shows that he wants to hear from us. We also find that it no longer wastes time. We're not just sitting around speculating, uh, thinking of what could happen. But instead, we're sitting and beginning to make it into a concern of taking action and what, what we actually can do. And lastly, it no longer hinders our faith, but actually strengthens our faith because we're actually going to God and we're actually trusting that he is going to be in it with us. You see, we begin to worry and our first response is to seek after God. We find that other things start to become secondary. And we're going to find in our own lives that we're healthier physically, we're healthier emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually as well. And I think we'll find ourselves, we'll actually be more calm Right? Well, we won't, uh, we'll be more confident. I think we have a, a more focused life. You know, I know for a lot of our families, we're waiting for, uh, our kids are going back to school coming up in September here. There's a lot of stress going on with that, getting everything ready. You know, what's going to happen? What's going to be? So what would it look like to, to start putting this response plan into action? 
to really start going to God and, re- and letting your requests be known to him. Now, I do want to say a caveat into all this. Now, there is, there is clinical anxiety. There are, there are some anxiousness, and uh, that is, that is an, a, a really big issue. If that is you, I would say, go, please go get help. Uh, please go get help, because there are trained professionals that can, they can help you out with that. But in the case of, of worry, where we're just asking what ifs, and it's not anxiety, this is, a, uh, this is a great tool to have a response plan to be able to go to God and process through this. Now, I love how Jesus wraps up and closes out this chapter. And so he says, Therefore, in light of everything that I just said to you, Jesus says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's saying, don't even, he's saying, don't even worry about tomorrow. You don't even know what can happen tomorrow. You have no clue what's going to happen. So why would you waste your time? Why would you give time to worrying about those things of tomorrow? Each day has enough things going on that we can be focused on. You see, uh, Jesus is really encouraging us that if we set our mind on these eternal things, we really can trust that he will take care of us. You see, when worries come our way, you know, those what-ifs, start popping up, having this response plan uh, and seeking after God is a lot like that trust fall. You see, we, we necessarily can't see God, but we see in his word that there's encouragement that we can trust him. And maybe we can reflect on past experiences where we know he's got us. Maybe we have stories of friends around us where we know that God has come through. And we can fall back, and we know that He is going to catch us in his arms. And in fact, he wants us to fall into his arms. Because the only way to a peace of mind starts by focusing on the divine. So what, what would your everyday life look like? Could you imagine every day if, uh, being able to put a response plan in place and to have, have a tool so that whatever situation you're in and the what-ifs start to creep, creep up, and what would it look like to be able to go to the Lord, to take time to just pause and to actually give a, a prayer of thanks and then actually lift it up to him? How different do you think your life would look? I, th- I think, I think that our lives would look a lot different. I think the way we interact with our families would be different. I think the way we would act with our coworkers, even our community. I think there'd be some really awesome movement and change happening within us that we'd have a huge impact in the community around us as well. And that's what happens when we are hearers and doers of God's word. We see great things happening. And when we do that, we really can be the wise person who builds on the rock. So let us go ahead and stand as we pray. Now, I hope this week that we can have a, a sense of encouragement. I hope we can be encouraged, knowing that Christ is on our side, the Holy Spirit is with us, encouraging us to, to remember his, his words. So I'd love to pray a prayer, a blessing over, over us this week as we, as we go. Let us go to uh, God. Well, Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for your encouraging words. And, and you know, you know that, that uh, we may not be able to eliminate what-ifs in our lives. They're, they're inevitably going to come up. But God, we know we can come to you. We know we have a response plan. And Spirit, this week, we just ask that you remind us. You can remind us of Philippians 4, 6. Then everything that we can go to you, we can give thanks and we can give our petitions to you. And we know we can go to you because you, you're expecting, you're waiting for us, you're, you're wanting us to come to you. And so, God, we, we just pray that as we go, that we are encouraged. We have a weapon. We, we, can, we can attack the day because we know you're, you're, you're with us. 
So as we leave, may we be blessed and have a fantastic week. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it's so good being with everyone here today, both on-site, online, and even uh, in demand. So I look forward to seeing you around. Have a great week. Blessings.